Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. My name is Pastor Jeremy. Today we pick up the fourth of seven messages Jesus sends to the first Christian churches. They're all located in what is today Western Turkey. After his life, death, resurrection, and ascending to be with the Father, Jesus appears to the Apostle John in a vision, and he speaks to the church in Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. And the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, faith, service, and endurance. I know that your latest works are greater than the first. We're going to divide this message into three sections, so we will read the rest of the, the, rest of the message as we go. Jesus begins by introducing himself as the Son of God. He's stressing his authority as deity, especially his authority to judge and determine guilt or innocence in this message. He describes both his eyes and feet. His eyes see all, illuminating our hearts and seeing our motives through our masks and cover-ups that fool everyone else. He sees all of us, clearly. His feet indicate movement. He is coming. We do not know when he will return, but we do know that he is coming back like a thief in the night. God's coming judgment should produce praise and peace from those who are in Jesus because we know that we are redeemed through the work of Jesus. He came because he loved us to give us his righteous life, die to pay the penalty of our sins, rise again to give us new life with him. We have nothing to fear in the coming judgment. Instead, we should feel at peace with gratitude for the grace and mercy of God our Father that will reward us in the return of Jesus. We should praise God for his judgment. We want God to make all things right. We want evil punished. We say it every day. We want the victim and the oppressed to be vindicated. For God to be good, he must deal with evil. If he just let it go all unanswered, allowing the unjust to trample the innocent forever, he would not be good or just. Praise Jesus that he is coming, able to see all things as they are. Nothing is hidden from him, and he will ensure perfect justice in the new heavens and the new earth. We are waiting for him to come and deliver perfect justice. We long for the justice of judgment in his return when he will separate the wicked from the righteous, but until then, know that his kingdom is at hand. The transformation has begun. We labor to bring the kingdom more and more into this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. It is coming one just act, one person helped, one forgiveness, one repentance, one visit to the needy, one salvation at a time. So we step into the next section of the letter. Jesus pronounces judgment on a false prophet who is guiding people in this church to evil deeds and urges the church not to fall to her influence. Beginning in verse 20 of Revelation chapter 2. But I have this against you, Jesus says. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants to engage in sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols? I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. 
Beware, I am throwing her on a bed, and those who commit adultery with her I am throwing into great distress, unless they repent of her doings. I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am the one who searches minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you as your works deserve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast to what you have until I come. Jezebel married King Ahab in the Old Testament, who is the king of Israel during the time of the prophet Elijah. While queen, she led Israel to worship false gods. If you heard the first three sermons in this series or read through Revelation chapter 2, you repeatedly hear Jesus condemn these churches for tolerating false teachings that compromise faith in Jesus inside their churches. As a result, people are doing wicked things. In verse 20, Jesus says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants to engage in sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Eating food sacrificed to idols and sexual sin are both repeatedly mentioned as the outcome of false teachings. It speaks of both spiritual and sexual adultery. Now, historically, this makes a lot of sense if you connect the two. Many Roman gods, especially the goddess of fertility Diana, were worshipped through sexual acts with temple prostitutes. As odd as it sounds to us, this was widespread and not that abnormal in this day. Whatever the specifics were, we hear Jesus' severe condemnation of sex outside of God's way in marriage. This is a big deal, and he is really putting emphasis here. We also need to hear his condemnation of idolatry and participating in the worship of anything over him. What's interesting in these messages is that he's not actually speaking to the false prophets. Instead, he's telling the church to guard themselves against the false teachers. He's telling the church things that are going to happen to the false teachers if they don't repent. So the main point today is that we need to be on guard and separate from false teachings. We may even need to separate from those teaching them. I'm not saying that we cancel or use violence or shun or hate or any of that kind of stuff. We should always be informed by the command to love one another. Sometimes we speak up. Sometimes we have to say hard things that people do not want to hear, call out error, or even separate in love. Because we desire the good of those in, in error and, or others who may be influenced by them. We want their salvation. We want their correction. I'm always careful in these moments because some will take this as a license to let their ideological enemies have it, to put them in their place and therefore hurt the cause of Christ. The end never justifies the means. The means need to be according to the way of Jesus just as much as the end does where you taint the truth of Jesus. This error is how we ended up with the wickedness of the Crusades and the Inquisitions and burning heretics at the stakes and all kinds of hate throughout our own culture wars. There's a balancing act when speaking of toleration. We can easily err on either side of the target. It's wrong to tolerate everything, as evidenced by this passage, it's also wrong to destroy the concept of patiently loving people despite their differences with us. Tolerance is generally a good thing. We're constantly encouraged to love and to welcome people who are different than us. I love a free and diverse meeting of ideas 
where we can learn from each other. I think that one of our great strengths in this church is that we have a very diverse range of viewpoints in this room and that it's something we celebrate because we all come together on Jesus and we agree on him. Our only test of unity is the person and work of Jesus. If you're going to be sitting at the tables in the new creation, the new heavens with us and Jesus, then we want to sit with you and worship with you and be with you today as well. We can all worship Jesus together, even if we don't agree on many different non-essential issues. Listen, this is where we need to land. Jesus condemns teachings that lead people away from him. These Paul's prophets, and not just people attending the church or their friends, the problem here is that these errors are being taught in the church. Churches and individuals must be careful what we allow to influence us. That This has become even more important with the easy access to teachings on the internet. You pick up a lot of bad stuff just scrolling TikTok or Instagram. Politics on both sides have hijacked Christianity, switching the gospel for culture wars. Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses claim to be Christian, but teach a diminished view of Jesus. It is good to love and discuss and try to understand those who have very different viewpoints and lifestyles than us. I love to read books and discuss with people who are very different than me and things that I would even consider essential matters. However, I am guarded against their teachings, not allowing them to shape me. This is a big difference between that and allowing someone who does not believe in the divinity of Jesus or the resurrection to preach from our pulpit or, or someone who teaches teaching violence or racism to lead Sunday school or teach our children. To sum this up, I want to list a few principles to guide us forward. First, love people. Be kind and gentle, whether you agree with them or not. Second, repent of any actions or attitudes that are contrary to the way of Jesus. Third, test the teachings you internalize and allow to shape you by the Word of God. Read and study and learn God's Word. Otherwise, you are the foolish man building your house on the sand. Every good-sounding teaching will wash away the ground from beneath your feet. Be sure to build on the rock of God's Word. To bring this conversation all together, let us read the conclusion to the message. To everyone who conquers and continues to do my works to the end, I will give authority over the nations, to rule them with an iron scepter, as when clay pots are shattered, even as I also received authority from my Father, to the one who conquers, I will also give the morning star. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This conclusion is filled with the promises to encourage and motivate the church to continue faithfully following Jesus. Just like the introduction, they all center around authority. Jesus introduced authority in the beginning, and now the conclusion reveals how we will share in that authority. The first part of the promise is that we will reign with Jesus in the final age of the resurrection after he returns. He's quoting Psalm 2, 7 through 8, and he's giving us the authority that the psalm gives him as the Messiah. In other words, we will be at his, his side as he exercises his authority as the Son of God and promised Messiah of Israel. The psalm reads, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, 
You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The point is that we will reign with Jesus in the final age of the resurrection after he returns. His return will be marked by his setting things right. Evil will be judged and righteousness crowned. We won't just be peasants, so to say. We will be co-heirs to the crown with him, reigning at his side. We will have a role and importance and authority just as God gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, saying they had dominion, meaning responsibility and authority over creation. We see this play out in the fact that Adam named every living thing just like a parent names their child. He then promises to give us the morning star. And this is a great image to tie the whole message up. The morning star is that one light in the sky that marks the coming of daylight. The transition from darkness to daylight. The imagery declares that the morning star ushers in the daylight of the sun. Jesus gives us this hope of the daylight. We must let Revelation 22.16 help us. Jesus there is identified as the bright morning star. He gives us himself. The perfect seer of all things, the righteous judge, the certain hope, the savior of the world. Repent of sin and receive him. Always mindful of those things that threaten to lead you from him. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. We'd love to have come, you, you come and join us any Sunday morning, 10.50 a.m. We are right beside the courthouse on Main Street uh, here in Stanford, Kentucky. Once again, that's 10.50 a.m. Also, go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. There you can learn a lot more about us. You can click on the Contact Us tab to leave us a message, let us know you're listening. Click on First Time, and you'll find some information that'll just help you be a little more comfortable when you come the first time. Hope you have a great week. Love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.